0: Dude to There's brother, dude to going brother, going come in. <laughs> good morning, Mike. <laughs> <lot> <laughs> that's an affirmative. <laughs> I have you, uh, that's, yeah. a, that's, a, the, 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 that's a, how do they say in, a, in a military? That's a, the military? Uh, that's a good copy. That's a good copy, brother, come on. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Our hopes have been fulfilled. Yes, all our hopes and our dreams have been fulfilled, and we are all better off as a result of it. So how goes it? How go with it at the St. Benedict Center?
1: It goes. It goes. We're all getting. We're all getting ready for um, the Ariesville Pilgrimage, the pilgrimage for restoration that begins uh, on Friday. We leave tomorrow to uh, head up to um, uh, upstate New York to a place called Lake George and um, be there so that we can start our. Pilgrimage, dark and early on Friday morning.
0: No, this is the one formerly known as, uh, or is still known as, uh, to honor the North American martyrs.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's called the. Pilgr- it's always been called the pilgrimage for restoration, but okay. it is it's it's to the uh, shrine of the North American martyrs at Auriesville, New York. It commences at Lake George, New York, which um, the lake. It's the t- there's a town called Lake George, and then there's the lake itself. And the original name of the lake, at least as far as um, Christian men were concerned, was uh, Lac du Saint Sacrement, because Saint Isaac Jogue um, was the one who gave it that name. Interesting. Well, you yeah, been named it after the blessed, the Blessed Sacrament, the Lake of the Blessed Sacrament. And by the way, uh, there is a statue, a much larger than life-size statue. I'm going to say it's maybe around 30 feet tall. That of St. Isaac Jogues overlooking the lake. And his, it, it's a shockingly accurate because some of his fingers have been chewed off. And he's holding up a crucifix over the lake. It's really beautiful. And the mass that commences the pilgrimage always um, is said right underneath that statue.
0: Yeah, I have never been, but you won't be far from
1: Michael Thomas's place then. That's right. That's right. Because when, when he had the um, last well, yeah, last year, the only year that I have been to his um, Catholic Land Movement conference, um, it was actually at the shrine. So it was familiar territory to, 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 to us, to me and Brother Joseph and the sisters that went.
0: Brother, there's a, a piece I know I'd send it to you at Crisis Magazine from Father John John A. Pericone. Is opposition to illegal immigration sin on a sin? <laughs> he kind of gives it away in the opening paragraph when he says, "To quickly answer the question asked by the title of this article, of course not." But then again, you start listening to many people that call themselves Catholics today and they try to make this case that this was a sin against justice and charity to have borders and citizenship and what have you here. I want to say that some very wise men have commented on on this. Namely, uh, uh, Saint Thomas has 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 commented on on the question, and uh, I want to say that maybe even you have in an episode of Reconquest, or maybe you touched upon it before. But it's not a sin to want to have you uh, to protect your borders and your citizenry from alien invaders. Correct?
1: Yeah, that's correct. I mean, the the um, actually, I did a, a Reconquest <clears throat> where I interviewed. Um, John Horvat and we talked about this subject a little bit. It wasn't it wasn't the exclusive uh, thing that we talked about, but it was called uh, immigration and social disintegration. Yeah. And um, I can throw up. I think I can throw up a link to it in the in the chat room. But uh, yeah, it was that was uh, that was a. I remember it was a pretty good interview. He had written something good on it. What Saint Thomas says about immigration. What does Saint Thomas say about immigration? Um, anyway here's uh, so yeah, I'm throwing I'm throwing the link to it in the chat room uh, yeah I mean it's a, it's a it's something you know people talk about a right to immigration you know we live in a time where there are all sorts of rights that are multiplying all over the place and when you and you know there's a problem you know that there um, are false or at least exaggerated, rights claims when one group of people claims certain rights that actually infringe upon the pre existent and, and and genuine, real rights of another group of people. And this happens all the time. Um and, and the the, the <clears throat> all the wokesters out there are always claiming these rights. I mean I have a right to react to to state what's real, don't I? I mean, I have a right to, to use my intellect to, to see things as they are and to communicate reality. That seems to me to be a kind of primordial human right. Actually, it fits into an obligation that we have. Right. Yet, in some places, that's outlawed. If I were to call, say, a deluded man who thinks he's a woman, a man. Uh, he does not have a right to call himself a woman, and he doesn't have a right to impose his delusion on other people. So, these these conflicting rights claims are all over the place, and you see it even in the even among the wokesters. You see it because the 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 um, you know the, the the there's no worse foe of a uh, transgendered man, a man who thinks he's a woman, than, a, than a, 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 an old-fashioned lesbian. You know, they can't stand <laughs> each other. Uh, so the, there's a, all, the, the, what happens is the, the snake eats its tail. You get all these conflicting rights claims and eventually they themselves, who are making these claims, destroy themselves. And that's kind of the nature of revolution. Um, the 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 old the old fashioned revolutionaries get beheaded by the newfangled revolutionaries by the the young turks so to speak, but yeah so Saint Thomas has spoken on this and the thing is we, we every you know Scripture says that uh, you know Laudate Dominum omnes gentes right praise the Lord all ye peoples well it's not saying Praise the Lord, ye ye glob of people, right? I mean, (laughs) there's an acknowledgement in Scripture that there are many tribes and tongues, and and by tongues, of course, I mean languages, many tribes and tongues and peoples. And the the existence of these different ethnic groups, these different national groups, these different linguistic groups, these different, um, I hate to use the word racial because I don't think it has completely valid application, and it certainly... um, abused, but um, all of these different categories of men, um, God obviously wants that diversity. He wants a diversity of languages. Where he wants unity is in religion. And this is, the, the, when I was reading Father Pericone's uh, article this morning, it dawned on me, because he's taking to task bishops yes. who are speaking of this as, you know, the, the, this, this is the, the, the right that we must defend. That's not part of their mandate. Now, they could argue that genuine social justice, and there is a real thing called social justice, it's a Catholic thing, um, genuine social justice is part of the teaching of the church. That's true. Yep. But because of that, I repeat again, the plugging for uh, profligate, profligate immigration is not part of the mandate of the church. What is part of the mandate of the church, in fact the most important part, is the evangelization of all nations. And what we have here is a sort of inversion of their actual mandate. So that you have bishops um, who are basically demanding that we tear down our borders, that we make there to be no borders, and that we uh, bring in Im- immigrants who will overflood flood the, the nation. Um, Instead of the church herself bringing all nations into the mystical body of Christ, that's their job Uh, and there are are civil rulers, there are magistrates, if you will, whose job is to protect the borders and the bishops ought not to interfere with that other group of people whose job is to protect the borders of the country. And the the com you know so anyway you want if if we want to go further into it we should really quote Saint Thomas who who is quoted in the article. Well,
0: let me say before we go further into it, let the record reflect that on this day, Brother Andre referred to a quote, "old-fashioned lesbian," close (laughs) quote. I I believe we have a neologism today. A good old-fashioned.
1: Well, I mean. Okay. Do we know? Do do we know where they got their name? The island of Lesbos, right? Yeah, but 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 why? But why is? is this is, where Lilith
0: was killing the? Uh, 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 help me out. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna get it wrong, and you're gonna correct me. So just go ahead and tell us.
1: <laughs> okay. So um, it's it's it's. Um, let's see. I'm trying to remember the name of the woman. Um, I won't say the lady. Um, Hold on a second.
0: By the way, while he's contemplating that, uh, in French, Le chambre is the chat room. <laughs> <You> can, <laughs> I, I have another neologism for you. Chat room is crusadechannel.com. Or in French, Le chambre is at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat.
1: Yes. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not finding her name. Somebody's probably stuck. Okay, so um, Sappho. 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 Okay. Um so the the uh the, this was this was uh this was her birthplace and uh okay. hit, yeah so anyway the the, the uh, there was a, a crazy erotic love poetry right that was born in Lesbos so it took, so lesbianism was given the name from that i mean i don't want to dwell on this obviously right. but the idea that it's new it, it, you know, it is old-fashioned in a sense. There was I mean, look, original sin's pretty old, Mike. Yep. <laughs> I mean, good old-fashioned original sin, or bad old-fashioned original sin. So, um, yeah, So I, I, think, I think there's enough said on that. But, you know, the tranny thing, although there were some particularly perverse people in his history who, who paraded as mem- members of the opposite sex... Uh, it's very different in our day than it was historically. Just as homosexuality has been transformed, they never wanted to marry before. That was, that was, uh, that was not part of the, the, the game.
0: Yes, but that it wasn't. Was, it, but that part of it is revolutionary, and that, and they're yeah. all about revolution now. And that's and that's that's, yeah. and that's, yeah, that, that's why they have so. Old. I, anyway, in any event, uh, didn't mean uh, we would. We, uh, someday in the future, brother, you will hear me fire up the reverb chamber, and I will say, "Old-fashioned lesbian versus transgender
1: man." <laughs> <laughs> I think that well, I makes mean, it's, it, it's a great it, meme. It Somebody's makes the make news occasionally. It, it makes the news occasionally when some big tranny tries to go to some, you know, <laughs> all woman's event and the and the women, I mean, my goodness, these, I mean, you know, Archie Bunker used to say, nature hath no fury like a woman's corns. Remember, you've heard that? <laughs> I, I have. I
0: didn't,
1: I didn't know that was an Ar- Archie Bunkerism. Well, Archie Bunker said like a woman's corns instead of like a woman's <laughs> corn. he, You know, he was famous for his. Malapropisms. Yes, but, uh, the, the, uh, the, the the nature hath no fury like one of those particular kind of women scorned. Because my goodness, they get all butchy and and um, they 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 go on this sort of banshee uh, uh, binge against uh, men uh, because men try to invade their all female space. Well, well the well, point brother- the point is this: when when you assert false rights, okay when you assert rights that don't exist you're almost bound to destru- to to step on somebody else's legitimate rights and here we have two very illegitimate rights right the the so-called rights of of, of uh, unnatural women to do what they do and the night and the so-called rights of these unnatural men to do what they do and there they're stepping on each other So, um, but I mean, you have it all the time. Like, for instance, if some homeless guy were to barge into your house and say, look, I have a right to eat, so, you know, what's for dinner? Um, That's, you know, you could, you could, as a matter of virtue, you can uh, do the corporal work of mercy of feeding the hungry, right? It's fine. That doesn't mean he has a right to barge into your house and take over, you know, do some couch surfing on your couch you know, when your fourteen-year-old daughter is sleeping in the next room, yeah. that's not a right. No, I. Uh, uh, I and I think my, most of our listeners
0: uh, get this. Uh, Father cone puts um, uh, in uh, in the second quote that he has in the essay today. He mentioned something, but I just wanted to, before we get any deeper into this, with Brother Andre Marie, who's the host of Reconquest here on the Crusade Channel. Um, you mentioned nations. You know, I'm pretty sure that our Lord gave the apostolic uh, the mission was to teach ye all men of all nations all that I have taught you. Didn't he say that?
1: Yeah, yeah okay to, yeah teach uh, all nations yeah. so na-
0: so n- nation nation uh, in, in French or in, in Spanish what we call nation um, and father Percon says you know the social doctrine of the of, of the Catholic Church says a nation has a fundamental right to existence to its own language and culture to which a people express, expresses and promotes its fundamental spiritual sovereignty to shape its life according to its own traditions and to build its future by providing an appropriate education for the younger generations. Again, you know, most people, when they think of Catholic Church teaching, they think what they have been propagandized. As Bishop Sheen can be quoted as saying, most people, if they knew what the Catholic Church actually taught, would agree with it. But instead, they know what the enemies of the Church say that it teaches. This teaching right here, in one short, short, simple paragraph, would answer any critic that were to that were to say, we're, we don't have a right to have borders when there are people on the other side of them that are starving. That's just not true. And out of charity, if they truly, if they really were, do any of the people that are coming across the border border look malnourished? <laughs> do they do they do they even look in, in in the in the sense of digital devices? Do they even look underserved? They're all looking at their black mirrors as they're swimming a river. I mean, for heaven's sake, they have designer brand name backpacks on their backs. These people aren't indigent starving people. These people, I believe, have been rounded up and have been recruited as invaders. Uh, but in any event, I know that St. Thomas teaches on this. Uh, what does St. Thomas say,
1: Brother? Well, okay, so fellow pericone has got it in the article, um, so he, qu- he begins by quoting St. Augustine. Augustine says, so Saint, this is St. Thomas quoting St. Augustine, Okay. and then continuing. Augustine says, quote, Since one cannot do good to all, we ought to consider those chiefly who by reason of place, time, or any other circumstance, by a kind of chance, are more closely united to us, end quote. Now the order of nature is such that every natural agent pours forth its activity, first and most of all, on those things which are nearest to it. But the bestowal of benefits is an act is an act of charity towards others. Therefore, we ought to be most ben- beneficent towards those who are most closely connected to us. Now, one's nat- no, now one's connection with another may be measured in reference to the various matters of which men are engaged together. Thus, the intercourse of kinsmen in, is in natural matters, that of fellow citizens in civic matters, and that of the faithful is in spiritual matters, and so forth. And various benefits should be conferred in various ways according to these various connections, because we ought in preference to bestow on each one such benefits as pertain to the matter in which, speaking simply, he is most closely connected with us. For it must be understood that other things being equal, one ought to succor those rather who are most closely connected with us." End quote. And by the way, I was reading this, I read this not too long ago, This, so I recognize this section of the Summa. This is from the section on charity. So this has nothing to do with justice. This has nothing to do with, na- I mean, yeah, it's not unrelated, but it's it's not in the part of the Summa that treats of anything like politics or anything like social order or anything like justice. He's ta- this is the virtue of charity. And he's talking about beneficence as distinguished from uh, benevolence and charity itself. So beneficence is the actual, do. so benevolence is willing the good to the other, right? Yep, Beneficence is actually doing the good to another. And as St. Thomas is very wise in this point, as, as well as very practical. He's saying, you know, you can't be beneficence to everyone. So even the most wealthy, for instance, this is my example, even the most wealthy person it, uh, who wanted to uh, express his um, generosity, his mag- magnanimity towards uh, those in need, You know, if if he were if he were a billionaire, he can't give infinitely to everyone. It will eventually be exhausted, right? So there's a there's a we're talking about finite goods. When we're talking about things that pertain to the common good, we're talking about goods that aren't exhausted. But when we're talking about the, the the material goods that have to do with civil society, as far as the distribution of of uh, wealth, the distribution of, um, for instance, uh, food, right? Right. So uh, these are not infinite. These are finite things. So the father of a family who is obliged to take care of his wife and children uh, can't say that uh, all the homeless people who live in a hundred mile radius can just pile into his house and he'll, he'll feed them. And he'll take care of their medical bills, and he'll take care of you know their their psychological needs, okay? Because he's going to be doing that to the detriment of his family, and that's prescinding from any other consideration. Like, well, they're good people, the Im- immigrants or the homeless. They're good people, or they're bad people, right? Because they could be they could be either one. I mean, there they were saints who were homeless people, um, and they were, and that wouldn't be the kind of guy who's going to barge in and demand that 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 he has a right to to. Uh, to surf on your couch, huh?
0: There is a saint that lives uh, so, under a
1: staircase. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Saint um, Saint uh, Alexis the Beggar. Alexis, right, right. Yeah. So the, the 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 there were, and that's what I was thinking of when I said there were saints who were homeless, and there, there were many of them. And yet, these are not the people who are going to be um, making all kinds of welfare claims uh, on those who have more. They weren't revolutionaries. They weren't. Uh, you know, demanding that everybody give up their stuff so that we we all just sort of you know will own nothing and like it, right? Um, I, I so there are so many things to be said about this, but the father of a family has to think in terms of the welfare of his family. His beneficence must first be you know they say charity begins in the home. Well, this is a this is the most immediate and practical manifestation of that. The beneficence of the father of the family means he has to love his wife and children first. And if other people are in need and he cannot help them, he's, he's not obliged, in fact, he's obliged not to take the food out of his children's mouth and give it to a stranger. And the, and the fact that there are strangers... Is a rea- I mean, that's a biblical reality. I mean, the Jews were told by God, you were once strangers in a strange land. So, yeah, and, and that is in a place in the Old Testament where they were told to welcome the stranger, mm-hmm. but they were not told to allow people to come in and, and uh, dissolve their nationhood or dissolve their uh, national identity, to come into their precincts and refuse to learn the language. And or to um, import false religion, for all that matter, that would have been absolutely forbidden by God. So, the the the, the welcome the stranger idea. That many of our bishops have adopted, and uh, taking it from the Old Testament and attempting to apply it to our current circumstances, is very much out of place. We do, and always have, welcomed the stranger. As far as allowing legal immigration, as far as I know, legal immigration was never outlawed in this country. Never. You know, immigration was never outlawed in this country.
0: There was even there was immigration during World War II.
1: Yeah, there was legal immigration. Uh, so yeah, and I mean it, that's not to defend everything in the image because there were there were there were bad things done during World War II. I mean we 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 um, imprisoned a bunch of innocent Japanese and did similar things and and you know we committed outrages against the Indians. I am not defending the wasp social order. That's not at all my. And, and by the way, there there's one of the dangers of Catholics coming into this discussion, is because. Those of us who want to defend Christian social order and want to take these texts like from St. Thomas and the text from John Paul II said something pretty good about this. Highly developed countries are not always able to assimilate all those who immigrate, and, the, and while the Church strongly affirms the right to immigrate, certainly— The exercise of such a right is to be regulated because practicing it indiscriminately may do harm and may be detrimental to the common good of the community that receives the migrant. That's... That's just common sense. And let me just add something to to this. Uh, this can I finish the danger that I was talking about? Sure, sure. The the danger is of uh, those of us who want to take texts like that and from St. Thomas and talk about the identity of nations and and and, and defending national borders and so forth. We might fall into a danger of looking at our allies who are. Uh, defending the the WASP social order, right? Right. Um, the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant <laughs> social order, the Anglo-American thing, and th- their talking points are going to be very Protestant, and we're, we're, that's not us. That's just not us. And and oftentimes they're very wrong on social questions, but and the Catholic Church has a different, much more nuanced, much older, and much better, uh, much more complete view on these things. So. We shouldn't take our cues from them and talk as if all these greasy, grimy Mexicans coming across the border are going <laughs> to somehow pollute our our, 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 our blood um, or something like that. I mean, I you know, I'm, I'm not an anti-Mexican, and I think anti-Mexicanism is anti-Catholicism. It, I mean, uh, you know, look, look at most of the ethnic jokes that we tell in this country. These are propagated by Jews and Protestants because who are they making fun of? Um the, Right. The poles, the Italians, the Mexicans—I <laughs> mean, you know—unless you're talking about Sven and Oli jokes in the Midwest, because most of those. Guys oh, I love Sven
0: and Oli jokes.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, Cajuns, of course, love to tell Cajun jokes, but the really, Woodrowing the really cruel jokes—the ones that make fun of people for being stupid—generally, they were they were aimed at Catholic ethnic.s um, uh, Lots of uh, uh, things
0: to, uh, to to talk about and to add to this. Uh, brother, uh, Mike Parrott did a show two days ago um, uh, about a, that the number one name in, uh, in Gallusway, Ireland now, for, young, for boys born last year is guess what? Muhammad. Muhammad.
1: So you might yeah. have heard the show. Um, no, I didn't. I mean, it was not not a hard guess because the, the, the <laughs> Muhammad became the number one name for boys in in, in the UK at one point. But I really
0: appreciated, and so do a lot of you in the chat room, uh, from, uh, from what I could gather. What parent's point was was I don't care if he was born in Galway; he's not an Irishman, and he's never going to be one.
1: Look, I was watching. Okay, so yesterday I, was, I became very interested in the Isle of Man. And the reason is because there was a Catholic news story that we reproduced on our website. We linked to it. And the Bee Gees about, are from there. Um, <laughs> well, blow the damn place out! Oh, just kidding. Sorry. I didn't say that. I got momentarily possessed. Yes, yes. Contemporary yes, yes. insanity. Okay. Um, Mike, I don't like the Bee Gees, so please don't look, look to me for sympathy <laughs> when, when Maggie's hating on the Bee Gees. I thought they were Australian. They
0: were born on the Isle of Man. They emigrated to Australia.
1: Oh, okay. Yes. So oh, actually, I, what, I, so I, I became, as I was saying before, before yes. I was so rudely interrupted with talk of the BGS. <laughs> the uh, the Isle of Man, uh, j- they just start put a co-cathedral there. So Pope Francis approved um, in the, whatever the city is. Uh, it's it's such a small island. I, I guess it's got one only one city but they um, th- there's a co-cathedral there. They took it they took the parish and turned it into a co-cathedral. So what's a co-cathedral. So if you've got a diocese like I'll give you a perfect example down your way. There's Homotipida, right? The Homotipido diocese. Yep. That is one diocese, Homa and Tipido are two different cities. So and it, it's interesting. The church and, and this, this, this in itself is a lesson. It's a powerful lesson. It's subtle, but powerful. If you read the article, and I, I can find it and throw it in the chat room, but if you read the article on the Isle of Man getting its new co-cathedral, you see something implicit in the church's own law. When you've got a city, that, when you've got a diocese that spans two cities, and even if it's the civil power that carves out a new city within the jurisdiction of a diocese, so that there's like a prin- there are two like principal cities mm-hmm. within this diocese, mm-hmm. they will often make a co-cathedral in the new city. So, for instance, um, so it th- was the Catholics of the Isle of Man, it was the parish priest, I think, who petitioned the bishop, who petitioned, because it's part of, a, uh, it's, it's the, the diocese of uh, Liverpool in England, in the U.K., Diocese of Liverpool extends to the Isle of Man. I guess there aren't a lot of Catholics there, but they have a Catholic church there. And it's old. Or, well, 19th century, not that old. But um, it's supposed to be a beautiful church. And um, they petitioned the Holy See to have that church elevated to co-cathedral status. And it did two things. I mean, it, according to the local priest, it raised the consciousness of the faithful on the Isle of Man right. that they're part of the Liverpool uh, diocese. And it raised the consciousness of the people in Liverpool that the Catholics of the Isle of Man are actually part of their diocese. So that it's one diocese. But the Manx, and that's the adjective that goes with uh, man, okay. like the Manx cat that's native to the Isle of Man, right. Um the, the uh, they're very conscious of of their own nationhood, and I mean it, it's got its own history. They were they were they were given their autonomy uh, almost a thousand years ago by the Nor- by the Norwegians by the Viking invaders. Um, so th- yet they've they've been there. It's like midway between uh, England and Wales and Ireland and Scotland. And they have their own language. They have their own native Gaelic language, Manx Gaelic. It's distinct from Cornish. It's distinct from Welsh. It's distinct from uh, uh, the old Britain Celtic language and, and Irish Gaelic. It's its own It's its own form of Gaelic. And there's a, and there's a renaissance in, in trying to, to learn it. Um, but bottom line is this. The church herself doesn't want, one city to be considered more important than the other if there are two major cities in a diocese, so she'll give us co-cathedrals like Homa Tipido. There's one co-cathedral in Homa and there's another co-cathedral in Tipido. Interesting. And the church, therefore, values the, the very local culture of these cities and doesn't want it destroyed. Now, the Isle of Man... These people are some of them are upset that their their culture their their customs their way of life is being threatened by all those all the ones they call comeovers the people from the UK who go into the Isle of Man and who essentially bring with them. Everything that's guzzy about the UK, <laughs> which is and most it, it's, things, it's very interesting because we've we've we here in this rural place where we are, we're we've experienced this to some degree. A lot of the inhabitants of Richmond, New Hampshire, are people who moved up from Connecticut to get away from the the uh, the, the crazy city life in Connecticut and the places in Connecticut where they live. I don't know why they come to this place from Connecticut. They they like skip over Massachusetts, but I guess nobody wants to live in Massachusetts because people are fleeing there too. But they they come up here from Connecticut, and what happens? Inevitably, they want to bring they want to get city you know fr- fringe benefits here in in this very rural town. They move here because it's a place of placid rural you know retreat. From the crazy life they left behind in in big citified Connecticut, right? And when they get here, they mess it up like Connecticut was. That's that's what they just that's there, no, that's the it, pattern, yeah, right? Right. Hey. And that's what the that's what a lot of the British who are moving to the Isle of Man are doing to Man, according to the Manx themselves, according to many of the locals. And so I so thought- my my point is this. That this, w- when the church respected the desires of the people on the Isle of Man to say, "Yeah, we'll give you your own co-cathedral," as a sort of a respect for the fact that your 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 island is different. It's unique. Something different. Yes. It's unique, and it's to be, and it's, and that's to be respected. Um, now, in, in Homo I get it's, it's a civic dis- it's a civic distinction. I mean, <laughs> Homo and Thibodeau aren't that different. They're right? not I very mean, different uh, at all, not at all. I mean, the, the, both Cajun cultures and so forth, but the church herself is, is going to look at these, in history, the church is gonna look at it as a tragedy when a culture was completely destroyed because it was overrun by other people. Yeah, I, Now, I, oftentimes, in Providence, something interesting develops from that, but still, something's been lost. To, and So why can you Why will you defend the people Who are overrunning the thing As they're doing it That makes no sense
0: No it doesn't uh, Brother Andre Marie the, the host of Reconquest Radio New episode debuts tonight Right here on the Crusade Channel um, uh, I have lots of comments That I would like to add to this uh, Time permitting uh, Number one You mentioned white Anglo-Saxon Protestants And that they're going to get uh, things wrong And Catholics are going to join And or they're going to repeat the error Let me just share something with you. Uh, Tucker Carlson gave the keynote address at the Christians for Restoration of Virtue conference in St. Louis, I want to say, this past Saturday. Um, And according to the Zero Hedge account of the the 51-minute keynote, Carlson also took a shot at the Episcopal Church Which he grew up in, but which, in his words, quote, crumbled around us and became this very aggressively pagan institution, close quote. Um, Folks, this is what I bring this up because number one, let us pray that Tucker will be received into the Catholic Church someday because he'll make a fantastic Catholic. Wouldn't you agree, brother? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Great Catholic. Uh, Number two, This is why, folks, when you hear, when you see Catholics and you're like, I'm not joining your church, you guys are always at war with each other. We're not at war with each other. There are things that are going on that are wrong, They're just wrong. They're not based in the truth. They're certainly not based in the church teaching. And quite frankly, there's a lot of people out there that are grifters and liars, and they're benefiting in some prurient, self-centered way. And there are those of us that are like, no, I'm not going to sit here and sit on my hands and not say something about it. It's wrong. And you're doing a great disservice to people who are alive today, and certainly to people that are going to come after us. They need. I, I've, I've been saying this since I was on Sirius XM back in 2013. Those people that get that, that take some comfort or joy or sick, sick pleasure in uh, the travails of the Catholic Church, you are not going to like living in a world where the Catholic Church, the one based in Rome, the the Catholic Church has either removed herself. Which she is trying to do in some quarters from your civilization, or has been heaven for eclipsed for some amount of time, and is basically a non-starter or a non-secretary. She's there, but she just is refusing to be part of what you call your civilization. You're not going to like it. It's not a civilization you're going to want to live in. Not based on the way you have it today. And and I think it is something that we don't say often enough. My solution to to, to the border crisis is a very simple one. Number one, defend the border. But I actually number one, make Mexico Mexico, El Salvador, and all of the Latin American countries, Catholic again. They were invaded by socialists in the 19th century. Um, this is where Our Lady of Guadalupe appeared and where a miracle occurred, and is still there. You can still go see it in Mexico City Our Lady of Guadalupe's image on uh, Blessed uh, or, or Saint Juan's tilma. You can still go see. They even tried to blow it up, bro. They tried to kill it. They tried to burn it, and it failed. Every attempt to to to, to destroy it has failed, but. It is said by the historians that uh, 10 to 15 million Mexicans, or whatever we would call Mexicans today, in a span of a decade after her appearance to St. Juan were baptized and then became Catholic. People say they became Christians. No, they became Catholics. And no, they were, did become Christians, they became they Catholic. Became, <laughs> that's right. right, exactly, exactly. But the, the point being, If those countries, like uh, uh, Father Damien loves to tell us about um, uh, blessed, what's his name, Cosmos A uh, n- name for our, our, one of our saints today uh, Blessed Cosmos from El Salvador He's a martyr uh, Wonderful story He wants to tell us about How these beautiful little sisters Much like your sisters, brother Are struggling to maintain tradition In their little school In, the, in this town in El Salvador And you know what we do We take a second collection up About twice a year To make sure that that school uh, That those kids can stay in that school But God bless uh, those sisters there That's it. El Salvador. Where does one think here? What does one American think they got the name El Salvador from? Yeah, the savior.
1: Yes. So Yeah, Mike, if if you want to if you want to complete the story about Latin America, yes. One of the reasons for the immigration is because these countries are pretty screwed up. Yes. And who did the screwing up? Wasps. A lawful, I mean, think United Fruit Company. We cause all kinds. Of, we Americans cause all kinds of problems in those countries because greedy American capitalists. And yes, I will say that without being a, without any fear of being accused of being a communist, because I'm anti-communist. Greedy American capitalists went down there and raped them for their natural resources. Yep. We do it all the time. We inherited the wasp mentality of the British who did the same thing to Africa and other colonial places. We we stole their colonial dominions from them. We stole, we stole their empire from them after World War II. That's what we do. And we raped Latin America. We raped their natu- nat- natural resources. And we created a, a hell holes in a lot of these places. And because of that... Things are bad, and they want to get out. Now, is it is it therefore payback? Well, in in the big picture, I think this stuff is payback because it's the chickens coming home to roost or something like that. If I'm not, bo- that's very Jeremiah, that. right of you? <laughs> yeah, thank you. No, <laughs> um, yeah. So you know we've we've, you know done we, we've done something. We've we, done something. We've done something wrong, and we're we're gonna end up paying for it. I mean, obviously, look, the United States has a lot to pay for when you think how many uh, of our own children we murder right so so there is a thing called divine justice but the so the question of the borders can't be looked at in complete isolation no but you know so there is an etiology here there's a causality that's at work and a lot of it is that we've screwed up latin america that's not all there is to it and that doesn't mean that we have to commit uh, further injustices You know, by creating um, uh, bad conditions for our own people here. Think of what we're doing in Ukraine right now. We're creating a humanitarian nightmare. Oh, Oh, a world-class, that the world may never
0: forget nightmare. Brother, you have five minutes remaining, and I want to make sure that we get you out on time. Um, and there is a lot of, uh, of, of low-hanging fruit on that tree. Yes, we mess those countries up so that all of you, uh, or, or, or so that many of the suburbanites, if you will, out there can enjoy their avocado toast in December. So there you go. Um, and it's one of the uh, one of the things that's going on. I, I want to put a plug in for the St. Benedict Center conference that is coming up. And Sister Philomena's ad ha, Is still running And invite all of you To St. Joseph Hall On Friday and Saturday October the 13th and 14th A perfect time to be in New Hampshire And and a, a, a great time to come out And meet the brothers and sisters And many people of the community uh, The St. Benedict Center And then here's some thrilling Thrilling speakers Including Hugh Owen If you've never heard Hugh Owen uh, And you, you had this interest in creation As uh, Is is the actual history of the world then I strongly uh, urge you uh, of course you you hear a brother a brother's going to give two talks uh, I'm going to sl- I'm going to uh, uh, sl- sling some words together for an hour and try to make sense of it Joe Doyle Charles Coulomb um Chris DeVos. Uh, did I leave
1: anyone out um you left out. did you say did you say Joe Doyle Joe Doyle I said Joe Doyle I think it's uh, Sister Mitt Philomena is
0: yes. as well. Um, so it's a great time. I want you to go to Catholicism.org forward slash conference, and you can go sign up today. A splendid time to be in New Hampshire, and I hope to see all of you there. Secondly... If you people have not signed up and don't receive the Manchipia newsletter from the St. Benedict Center every month, you're really, you're really missing out. Um, I read with great anticipation, and I wrote Charles, and I know he's on book deadlines, uh, and he's very busy. He hasn't written me back yet. But his piece that he wrote for the last Manchipia about, what is it called, Triumph Magazine. I'd never, I'd never even heard of Triumph Magazine, so I looked oh, it up, yeah. oh, so I looked it up, and then, and then I'm going, now, wait a minute, wait a minute, so when, when I was going through this uh, political conversion, I started reading, this in 2008, one of the first authors that I read, and I have all of his books, is M.E. Bradford, Melvin Bradford, I never knew that he was a Catholic. Until I read Sir Charles Coulomb in Manchipia newsletter, and then he mentioned all these Catholic writers that went Bradford. So um, lots of great stuff in this issue, brother. Really, really fantastic issue of Manchipia. How might one subscribe to Manchipia if they don't already get it?
1: Just get, just go to catholicism.org and get on our mailing list. It's um, it's uh, an easy thing, and we don't we don't sell subscriptions or anything. We just ask you to throw a throw a little donation at us now and again and there's an envelope, an envelope that you can uh, self address. You have to put the stamp yes, on that's it. Our, that's, our, that's called a subtle hint.
0: <laughs> Take the subtle. Believe me, brother, I've been dropping subtle hints for the month of September for three weeks now. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it finally paid off yesterday. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they were so subtle that even I noticed them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, the crisis has been averted for this month anyway. Um, what, is, what is on the brand new episode of Reconquest, which you are going to we are going
1: to broadcast tonight here on the crusade channel by the way i'm dropping i'm dropping in the chat room how people can get onto our mailing list okay it's free don't cost nothing as (laughs) somebody said (laughs) um tonight on reconquest we have ken Tellard de Chardin be rehabilitated. Tellard de Chardin. And I had to say that like 150 times in the actual recording, (laughs) and I think I bollocked it most of the times because it's not an easy name to pronounce. Say it again? But yeah, the the great great, uh, French Jesuit who was was one of the arch heretics of the 20th century.
0: Uh, So that is tonight's episode of Reconquest, and you can listen to it live when it premieres tonight at 8 Eastern, 7 Central, and uh, Season 1 and 2, by the way, uh, uh, almost 100 episodes of, of Reconquest are on the Crusade Max channel. Don't tell me you people have run out of things to listen to because I know that you haven't. Because there's like a hundred hours right there that you can uh, that you can uh, listen to at crusademax.com. Plus, uh, nearly all of our Wisdom Wednesday episodes in the last year and a half are also there, and we're going back in time and putting them them up at crusademax.com. And the clock has hath just struck ten fifteen. The school bell's ringing, and brother has to
1: go. Okay, so can I make a quick, just a super quick plug? Sure. The sisters, the sisters' book, the Liturgical Rosary, is out, and uh, or it's available for pre-order. It was published by a- a- Aroca or Aruka Press, however he says it, and um, it's a it's a it, it should be a barn burner. It's um, it's it's been well received by those who have have had a look at it and. Um, Anyway, that's that. I dropped a link in the chat room. Is it in the store, Catholicism, store.catholicism.org? Yes, and you can also get it from the publisher at Aruka Press's website. And we
0: have copies coming whenever they actually are printed, so. There you go. And the Founders Trading Post as well. They are printed, we just don't have them yet. Yes, beautiful beautiful book, beautiful book. Uh, brother uh, uh, good luck with uh, your studies and with class today and uh, and and thanks for uh, uh, the uh, the article on Marina Abramovic
1: <laughs> or Abramovich. <laughs> yeah, I thought you'd appreciate that. I put she's back. She is uh, back uh, yeah and uh, she
0: has been revived by that most um, he is just the most scandalous of all scandalous foreign leaders, that little imp that Zelensky has become. Um, uh, uh, Yes, we we had a lot of discussion about her.
1: Brother, um, thank you very much. We'll see you next Wednesday. All right, Mike. God bless you, and God bless all our listeners.